We turn to Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 10, and we read through chapter 13 and verse 4. There was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake, and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife, Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, He and his wife and all that belonged to him and lot with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there formerly. And there he called on the name of the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Father, these are words that you have given by the inspiration of your Spirit. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would guide us into your truth. We believe that your word is everlasting truth. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth this day, the meditations of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I read about the altar in Scripture, I'm reminded of the altar in my home congregation. And it is a place where God did some significant things in my life. It was in 1973 that I was confirmed there at that altar. 1979, I was married at that altar. 1983, I was ordained into the ministry at that altar. I served communion at that altar. I prayed with people seeking Jesus at that altar. And so when I think of an altar, that altar has a very special place in my heart. And maybe you would say the same, that there's that altar, maybe in your home congregation, where you met Jesus. And that altar is is special. It's precious. For Abraham, the altar was a special place. In fact, so special was the altar to Abraham that he built several altars in the land of Canaan. In chapter 12 of Genesis and chapter 13 of Genesis, we find four references to the altar. 
Chapter 12, verse 7 is the first reference. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord. Verse 8, he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Chapter 13 and verse 4, Abraham came back to the land of Canaan after he had been in Egypt to the place of the altar. And then at the end of chapter 13, it says that Abraham moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Now, when we think of an altar in the Old Testament, we often think of worship. We think of someone coming to the altar in order to offer praise and thanks to God. But the altar wasn't just a place of worship. The altar was also a place of repentance. It was a place where God's people went to confess their sins, where they brought their offering, their sacrifice to God, to be forgiven of what they had done to sin against Him. And this is what we see in the life of Abraham in the Scripture that we read today. His life illustrates that there are times in our lives when we need to go back to the altar. It may be a physical altar, it may be a place, but at least we need to go back to the altar in the sense that we come back to God, confessing our sin, receiving His forgiveness, and being renewed in our walk with Him. There are three lessons we learn from the life of Abraham about the altar. First of all, we must go back to the altar when we fail God's test. In the verses right before our text, we see Abraham on his knees at the altar praying, calling out upon the name of the Lord. But as we come to the second half of chapter 12 of Genesis, we don't see any references at all to the altar because Abraham left the land of Canaan and he went to Egypt. Verse 10 says, There was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. Now this famine, I believe, was a test of Abraham's faith. Matthew Henry says that Abraham was tested to see whether he would believe that that the God who brought him to Canaan would be the God that would maintain him in Canaan. In other words, could God care for him here? Could he rest in God's care here in spite of the fact that there was a famine? Now, Abraham ended up doing the natural thing. He ended up going into what one man described as survival mode. He figured that the land of Canaan could not support him, so off he went to Egypt. And it's not that he planned on staying there, because if you look at verse 10, it says that he went to sojourn there. Not that he planned on living there. Just for a while, he was going to go down to Egypt. But you will notice that he didn't ask God if this was his will. 
He didn't get down on his knees to pray and say, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do in this situation? Instead of resting in God's promise to care for him, he took off running, looking to Egypt for help. You ever done that? <laughs> ever run from God's test? You're going to find a human solution to the problem you're facing. Here was a famine. What was he going to do? Instead of seeking God, he looked toward Egypt for help. You know, it's easy to take off running because we start looking at things from our perspective instead of God's perspective. We walk by sight instead of walking by faith. But any time we walk by sight instead of walking by faith, it is then that we run into problems. Because that's when we begin to step outside of the will of God, trying to figure out a way on our own, rather than simply resting in God's care for us and His provision for our needs. That's what Abraham did. He looked to Egypt for help. And he failed God's test. Abraham needed to go back to the altar. Notice, secondly, we must go back to the altar when we doubt God's promises. I suppose we could say that Abraham was blessed to have a a beautiful wife, even at the age of 65. And I was thinking about that. Well, if... Sarah lived to be 127. I suppose 65 would be middle-aged, huh? Um, So maybe if we look at Sarah's age here, that she might be like half of our lifespan, which would be, I suppose, in, in her 30s. So maybe that explains some of it. However, if you go to Genesis chapter 20... And Abraham was 99 and Sarah was 89. He came up with the same plan with Abimelech. Concerned that because she was a beautiful woman, he might take Sarah to be his wife. And so he lied and said that she's his sister. So whatever way you look at it, she was a pretty good looking chick, even at 65. And he's concerned then what's going to happen when he goes down to Egypt. He starts to get afraid and he comes up with this plan then. Verse 11. It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. And they will kill me, and they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. Now, did you notice who Abraham was concerned about? He was not concerned about his wife, but rather he was concerned about himself. And because he was concerned about himself, he was willing to put Sarah in a very perilous situation. Isn't it amazing what fear can cause us to do, huh? When we're afraid, we start thinking in ways that that do not please God. We start scheming in ways to protect ourselves. Fear is a very powerful emotion. And here's Abraham's plan. I know you're my wife. Let's just say you're my sister. And then I'll be safe. Everything will be fine. (laughs) 
What a deceptive plan. Now, God had made it very clear to Abraham that he would take care of him. Early in the chapter, we find that promise very clear. God said to him in verse 2, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. Your name will be great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Notice all the I wills of God. I will, I will, I will. That's a promise, isn't it? God said to Abraham, this is what I will do. I will care for you. Did you notice the contrast to what Abraham was concerned about? It wasn't the I wills of God. It was the they wills of the Egyptians. Verse 12, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, and they will let you live. You can see where his focus had gone from, from the promise of God, the provision of God, the greatness of God. Now he's giving in to fear, and he's worried about the Egyptians. And so he puts Sarah in a very difficult position. And at first... It may have looked as if the plan was working. Verse 14 says, It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And therefore, verse 16 says, He treated Abraham well for her sake. He gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. And maybe Abraham is thinking, you know, pretty smart guy I am. Look at this, huh? Got this plan and God is blessing the plan. Huh? You know people that think like that, don't you? They step outside the will of God and something positive happens. He says, ah, God must be blessing this. No, he was not. Warren Wiersbe says, a casual observer of this episode might conclude that what had happened to Abraham wasn't all bad. Pharaoh gave Abraham a lot of wealth and Sarah was given her own maid, Hagar. God forgave Abraham his sin. He started over again, so what's the big problem? Wearsby writes. You know what the big problem is? The big problem is that Abraham had stepped outside of the will of God, and everything that Abraham received in Egypt later caused him trouble. Think of it. Because of their wealth, Abraham and Lot had to separate, chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Hagar, the Egyptian maidservant, brought division and sorrow into the family of Abraham and Isaac with the birth of, of Ishmael. Lot, he had gotten a taste of, of the wealth of Egypt, and he... Remember, he was given the choice. What land did he want? He looked at the well-watered land of the Jordan, and it was like, of all places, Egypt. He said, I want that land. And you know the rest of the story, ending up in Sodom, the sorrow and the heartache that it caused for his family. You see what happens when you 
abandon your trust in the Lord and give in to fear. Abraham needed to go back to the altar, didn't he? Took off to Egypt, not seeking God, lying about his wife. Abraham needed to go back to the altar. But then thirdly, we see from the life of Abraham that we must go back to the altar when we shame God's name. When God called Abraham to follow him, he encouraged Abraham by saying that he would bless him. And God also encouraged Abraham by saying that you will be a blessing. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And yet when he goes down to Egypt... He did not bring blessing to the Egyptians. When Abraham went down to Egypt, he brought trouble to them. Notice what happened. Verse 17 says, But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. So here was a man who had been called to bring blessing to the nations. I will bless you and you shall be a blessing. And yet he's walking back to Canaan like a puppy with its tail between its legs. Abraham had been severely rebuked by Pharaoh. See that picture? Here is the man of God, the the one to whom the promise is given, and he is being rebuked by a pagan. Take your wife and get out of here. Now, think of this. Here's the one in in the first part of the chapter who who takes off. uh, He leaves his land and leaves his family. And he, he, he follows God, doesn't know where he's going, putting his trust in God, building altars. And then in the second part of the chapter, it's like, is this the same man? Is this the same Abraham? But you know what? It's a picture of the struggle we face in life, isn't it? There are times when our, our trust in the promise of God is secure and steadfast, and then we find ourselves at other times just like, what am I doing? And so here's this man journeying back to Canaan. And notice what he does. Verse 1, So Abram went up from Egypt to the land of the Negev, He and his wife and all that belonged to him and lot with him. Abraham was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. He went on his journeys from the Negev as far as Bethel. To the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar. Which he had made there formerly. And then it says, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. 
What do you think his prayer was like that day? Can't help but believe it was a prayer of repentance. Lord, I've, I've failed you. I went down to Egypt, stepped out of your will. I deceptively schemed about my wife, saying that she was my sister, putting my wife in a position like that. I was severely rebuked by a pagan man, and here I am coming back like a puppy, a whipped puppy, pouring out his heart to God in repentance. I believe it was repentance because if you look at the next chapter, Abraham was a changed man. We're going to be looking at how he was changed, but God did something in his life when he came back to the altar and said, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. There was a man who was a very gifted singer and musician. And he grew up in a Christian home and actually went to a Bible school in Canada. And he ended up turning his back on the Lord. First wife he married, he gave her venereal disease. Joined a rock group, drinking and taking drugs. And had had three wives. And many tried to warn him. Some of his friends would, 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 would tell him, you know, you're, gonna, you're, you're headed down a, a path of destruction. And he wouldn't listen. And he ran from the Lord for about ten years. Until finally he came back to the place where he had walked away from the Lord. It was the place of his father's funeral. His dad died young of a heart attack. And he told the pastor, he said, I, as I left the church that day, and I saw the casket of my young father going into the hearse, he said, I, I looked up to the sky and said, God, is this, if you're going to treat me this way, I've got no time for you. And so off he ran for ten years, indulging in alcohol and drugs and immorality and was just a heartache to his family. But he called the pastor of that church and he said, Can I meet you at church? The pastor said, I'd be happy to meet you. And they went up to the altar of that building. And the pastor said that he poured out his heart for two hours, confessing his sin. And he said he would confess one sin, and the pastor would say, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from that sin. And he confessed another sin and another sin, pouring out his heart to God, and the pastor would say say to him, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from your sin. And I can't help but think, as Abraham came back to that altar and poured out his heart to God, That God's grace and God's mercy and God's forgiveness was poured out on Abraham that day. Back to the altar. Back to the place where in one sense he had had left the Lord. Went on to Egypt on his own and realized, 
how much he needed to deal with his sin. Back to the altar. There are times in our life when we need to come back to the altar. When we've sinned, and to hear those words of Jesus, Be of good cheer, my son, your sins are forgiven. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the good news of the Gospel. And Abraham needed the Gospel, didn't he? He needed the Gospel. And we can praise God that what Jesus Christ did on the cross cleanses us from all unrighteousness. As far as the east is from the west, there, that's how far He has removed our transgression from us. What a gracious God we serve. Maybe you need to come to the altar today. Dealing with sin in your life, say, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. I don't want to live this way any longer. I want to turn from my sin. I want you to do that work in my life of cleansing me and restoring me and forgiving me and giving me victory in my life. Jesus waits for you to come. The one who comes to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. Come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus said, I will give you rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did in the life of Abraham. A man that you had called to serve you, and yet a man who had who had gone on his own outside of your will. But you restored him. You renewed him. And thank you, Lord, that you are the, the same God today. You can restore us. You can renew us. You can refresh us. You can revive us as we come back to you in repentance of our sin. And Lord, if there's someone here today that needs to come to the altar, Lord, would you call them and would you draw them and would you, would you do in their life a great work of repentance this day? Lord, we don't want to drift from you. We don't want to wander from you. We don't want to go our own way and do our own thing. We want to be in the center of your will. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are and all that you've done for us. We praise you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.